Welcome to Politicus, the only podcast that discusses politics and public service from the Portuguese American perspective. Here we discuss everything from federal policy, local issues, and U.S. Portugal relations with the goal of driving more discussion and awareness of the issues affecting our nation, our community, and what we as Portuguese Americans can do about it. And now, Politicus. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Politicus. My name is Angela Samos, and I am here with my esteemed co-host, Denise Borges. How are you, Denise? I am doing fantastically well. And how is uh, the most superb and outstanding <laughs> chairperson of any Portuguese-American organization from here to Mars? Because we're there now, and there, we, haven't found right. a be- we haven't found a better Portuguese-American chair there either. Oh, well, then, you know, that's a, I accept the challenge. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so on today's episode, I think we haven't interviewed a city manager yet. And so we no. are really happy to have Sonia Alves Viveiros, who is the city manager of Inglewood, New Jersey. So welcome, Sonia. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. We were talking before the podcast and that, you know, we have both my husband and I have family in New Jersey. Um Carney and Elizabeth, and you know, we're familiar with Newark, but really don't know the rest of New Jersey. And so I'm quite eager to hear about Inglewood and what the Portuguese community is like there. But before we get into that, can you just give us a little bit about your background and you know, a little bit of your career path and how you ended up as city manager? Sure. So I was, I actually grew up in Newark, that's where my parents and myself immigrated to. I was born in Guimarães, which my mother loves to uh, brag about, that we were the first capital, of course, before Lisbon. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it was the birthplace of Portugal. <laughs> so, I mean, yes, yeah, you can't get more yeah. Portuguese than that, Sonia. No, no. I, right. And, <laughs> and my father was the only one who immigrated to the United States. Everyone else just went to France. You know, the typical I've aunts and uncles in Switzerland, things like that. But he is the only one that crossed over. So, um from Guimarães, at least in his little village of uh, Santumé. So that's where it started out for us. So I was a little girl. I was five when I came over. So my schooling and everything else has been uh, the United States. And my birthplace, of course, is Portugal, but I highly also consider myself American uh, proudly. So um, I come from actually a long lineage of uh, public servants, uh, Every time I go down uh, the streets of uh, Guimarães in the cent- city center, I can almost find an uncle that's sweeping. So <laughs> I don't know if it was a coincidence or it was just in my blood subconsciously, but uh, public service has been in my lineage. Uh, my grandfather, who passed away in his mid-40s, worked in the, uh, in the our nickname is Minerush, so he worked in the Minish uh, for the city, so. So that's sort of a little background in where uh, or fun story, if you will, from where I came from. Now, I grew up in Newark. Uh, I went to the public uh, Newark public school systems. So a lot, you know, worked really closely, interned, uh, youth group services, you know, church services, so much in the community that I always wanted to go into government. Uh, especially local government, because a lot of what comes to fruition starts at the local level. Um, so I found that really admiring. And uh, I did choose this path. <laughs> a lot of people tend mm-hmm. to fall into this career path, but I chose this path. Um, I have a bachelor bachelor's degree in political science and mm-hmm. a master's in public administration. So 
I've been heavily focused on government all of my uh, personal and professional career. Was there something, what, what inspired you to focus on that as a area of study? And then like that, that you knew from an early age that you would be, you know, going into government work? Uh, like I mentioned before, a lot of these policies get created at the local level. So it was always interesting for me to be part of the process of, you know, having input on ordinances, you know, things, uh, resolutions, things like that, that then I'm able to work with constituents, uh, with assembly mm-hmm. people, the governor's office, who I've worked um, a lot in my past position with the potential uh, merger of two fire departments. So that background work and policy making was always really interesting to me. And, and asking you about that, um, do you think that Americans, and, and, and of course included in that, uh, are Portuguese Americans, we're all Americans, whether we are Portuguese American, Italian Americans, or whatever, the hyphen may be, or the ancestry may be before, but do you think Americans, and including, as I said, Portuguese Americans, understand in your perspective the role of local government? Because it seems like so much of what television and 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 even the news uh, world uh, focuses on, whether it's television or radio, etc., is on state or national level. And sometimes people forget the important and pivotal role that local governments have on your everyday life. Do you think that Americans uh, understand that? What's your perspective on that? And what do you think can be done if, if not? I think people understand it more now than ever because of COVID. Because mm. um, the governor gives you a bunch of orders but then it's up to each minute. I could speak at least for New Jersey gives you gives the municipalities enough authority that we could establish additional policies. We can't supersede necessarily what what any sort of executive order that he's he's done, but we can certainly enhance. So you go from one little town to another little town and things might be a little bit different. Uh, outdoor dining might be done different. I mean, certainly the capacity level, but not every town welcomes that or towns embrace it. For the most part, they have. But uh, I'll give you an example, the marijuana legislation. Uh, There's a very short timeline right now that towns have the ability to not welcome uh, any sort of dispensary in in their municipality. So if people understand how much power these towns actually have, they would get more involved. And I always say to people, Get involved in your local, not just politics, but policymaking. Try to understand it because it's it's your day to day. And a little bit about uh, your role as a city manager here in California. And actually, we've talked about this uh, in a couple of different episodes. I'm sure um, that Angela remem- remembers uh, because she was actually talking about in her area where the city manager lives, uh, uh, what, 400 miles away. And yeah. so uh, actually, I even think more than that. But uh, the the role of a city manager here in California is widely used because most of our smaller and mid-sized cities mm-hmm. don't have what is called a strong mayor. So the city manager basically uh, makes all the decisions, of course, in, uh, with the guidance of the city council. So the city manager idea, and even in larger cities, of course, there's both, but um, the mayor who was elected in there full time and also a city manager. 
But in a lot of the smaller cities throughout California and cities of, you know, 75, 80, 100,000 people, these cities are run by basically the city manager. How is that process there? So in New Jersey, the way most governments are run are through a a business administrator or town manager, if you will. It is very actually uncommon to have a city manager in New Jersey. There are far few in between. So it is the same as in California, the way we run here. It's it's the day-to-day, the CEO, if you will, of of Englewood is um, is the city manager. Now, in my past, like I said, uh, I was a business administrator. And you have five township committee members who have equal authority. Now you have the chair who's the mayor who gets voted in amongst the, the five people in that case. But it's uncommon to have a city manager in New Jersey. So when I saw the opportunity, of course, I, I thought it would expand my knowledge and um, my influence in managing the city. Indeed, indeed. So that uh, that would be uh, uh, definitely. And the city manager, of course, has uh, a managing role in everything that is a service of the city, correct? I mean, the police department, all of the different departments, what departments are traditionally part of the city that uh, the um, city manager oversees? So public safety, police, fire, human resources. Uh, I'm, admi- I'm mainly, I'm the administration here, of course, um, the health. Now, the board, there is a board of health, but I supervise the health officer. You, the library is a library board. That, so that's, that's separate. That's, uh, I'm, I'm not sure how California is done, but in most part, you have a library board. You have recreation. So, yes, it's, it's, in that, it, it's managed in that same manner mm-hmm. through about uh, 11 to 12 departments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so a little bit about your city as far as the Portuguese-American presence. Uh, as you mentioned, you grew up in Newark, which is a, obviously a, a stronghold for the Portuguese community in New Jersey and with such a rich history for, for many, many uh, decades. Tell us a little bit about, uh, about your city and um, the Portuguese community there as well. So primarily when you come over to Bergen County, there's a lot more of a there's less of a Portuguese influence that I'm aware of. So here it's, it's definitely a lot more diverse. Mm-hmm. So it, I don't often meet someone who's Portuguese here. I see. Currently we've spread out through New Jersey, right. um, but mainly here it, it's, it's a lot more of a mix, especially because you're, I'm literally the last exit before the George Washington bridge mm. and you get to New York. Sure. And then of course, right there you have Yonkers. So as you know, there's a large Portuguese community there. Right. Right. And and how um, how do you think or do you think it had any influence on you your your upbringing your contact with Portugal? Of course, you have uh, as you mentioned the history of a family that was involved in uh, public service in Portugal. But uh, how do you think that your upbringing and your contact in Newark with the Portuguese American community, of course, through your parents and and friends, how did that influence you? How has that helped you, if, if in any way, to deal with this diversity that you say uh, that you've encountered in the city that you were city manager of, that there's a lot more diversity? Has uh, being Portuguese and being coming over a very young age, obviously, but uh, uh, with parents who are immigrants, has that given you a different perspective that someone who was born here and maybe uh, whose great or great-great-grandparents were immigrants would have a different perspective? Has that helped you at all? 
Oh, absolutely. Both my parents were working parents. Um, so I, the work ethic uh, has been instilled in me very hard. So uh, I grew up in Newark. Uh, of course, there's a large Portuguese influence, but I also had um, a diverse group of friends around me. And my parents always gave me the opportunity to meet different people. And I think that that's what helped me and uh, share both my ancestry, but as well as welcome others. So um, that's what I, I would say what Newark gave me was being able to have that type of diversity around me. Um, I went to school in downtown Newark. So then you have a different community there. So, and having gone to college, it was a pretty diverse college. So all of those influences, including of course, my own culture uh, was a, it kept me open. And your parents, it's, it's interesting because you say your parents were uh, inviting of all the different cultures. And it seems like some of the conversations we had, sometimes parents were, but your parents were unique in the aspect that they appreciated the diversity. They did. Uh, I went to a high school where, uh, you know, it, it, it was, it was probably new to other Portuguese people or other people that, because once you get out of your community, you know, and this mm-hmm. is sort of a comfort level for everybody. It's it's just different. You go from place to place, you know, or you go a mile up and it's different. And my parents just always thought respect was a big thing in my house is that you respect everybody that you encounter in your life. One of the things that we talk about a lot on this podcast is um, the language, Portuguese language. And, um, you know, there's a concerted effort from many Angles, uh, the, you know, the Portuguese government has Instituto Camões, which uh, has a, a dedicated team to promoting the Portuguese language. There's people here uh, throughout the country that are always trying to expand the classes or help communities get Portuguese language classes offered in schools. So when it comes to to language in Inglewood, in what are some of the I guess, sort of the, you know, uh, is it some of the standard languages uh, here in California? It would be Spanish. Um, I, I think some schools still offer Italian, maybe. I, I, don't, I actually don't know. Um, French, in, French, sp- French. It's, French basically, really? yeah, it's basically Spanish, Spanish and French for French. public schools. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, our daughter uh, goes to a, a Catholic school and it's just Spanish. There's no other other option. Though we did start a Portuguese club. <laughs> um, so talk a little bit about, you know, the language presence in Inglewood and, and growing up speaking another language is... Um, you know, that's something that do you use in Portuguese or is that just something that you use at home? And then if, you know, um, do you see a, a, a need from the from the community, maybe not necessarily the Portuguese community, but even, you know, the broader diverse community to bring in other languages? Uh, one of the newer languages, I would say in the last uh, 10 years that the public school system has been offering throughout New Jersey um, is Mandarin. So they've actually Mm, opened up a lot of um, different options. And I took Italian in college. So yes, heavy uh, Spanish influence here. In this community particular, you have a huge Korean uh, community. Mm -hmm. So there's there's definitely a lot more of a diverse uh, community here in terms of languages. Um, I speak Portuguese every day. I mean, I talk to my parents every day. My husband, uh, his family is from the Açores, from uh, Terceira and São Miguel. So of course you know that dialect is is it's completely <laughs> different. Sometimes I, I go, huh? 
Um, yeah. <laughs> well, 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 the one from San Miguel, yes. <laughs> they, very, they very different, to, yeah. Yeah, they immigrated to Lisbon at some point. So ah. uh, their Portuguese is a little closer to the mainland. I mean, having known a second language and then, of course, being able to speak Spanish because the two are very much alike. Um, I can identify a little more words in, in, in Spanish, given my mm -hmm. background. It's been very helpful in terms of government, what I do, knowing to speak more than two languages, essentially. Um, I, I will once in a while meet a Portuguese person wherever I am, even at the state level or at the county level. So um, it's equally important to, to have that kind of um, skill set, especially in what I do, because you, like I said, even in this community that's got other languages, knowing, knowing a, a various languages is very helpful. Dealing with parts of the community, the working class, you know, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's one thing that we all, um, not always struggling with, but it's a, it's a constant, uh, you have to repeat it, repeat it, the, the value of knowing another language and especially getting young people to understand that value so that they understand it early on, as opposed to for someone like me who <laughs> didn't really get it until I was well into my twenties. And then at that age, it's a little harder to learn a second language. Um, at least for me, it's been pretty difficult, but um, so what would, what would be your advice to young Portuguese Americans or perhaps uh, maybe just no, not necessarily students, but other Portuguese American individuals listening to this podcast that have thought about public service or have thought about maybe majoring in political science or want to get involved, but they're hesitant perhaps, or maybe they don't know where to start. <clears throat> what would be your advice uh, to those folks? Well, my advice first would be to embrace your culture and your background to, to find acceptance because it, it, that as much as you think it doesn't, it, do, it does influence your identity. So embracing that one and two, um, understanding the, the current community you, you live in and how you can get involved because young people need to know that they too have a voice. And I have seen that in the last two years with social justice movements that getting involved in your local government, and I'm not talking just politics, but the process of how things arrive where they arrive, that they understand it because they are the future of that community. Um, mm -hmm. So that would be my advice to young people is, I, for, I'll just give you an example. I started an internship uh, for students in the summer as young as high schoolers to come over into administration because you, or even the clerk's office, because that is those two departments that you'll be able to identify with other things that happen throughout the city. So having that, starting that program has been a good incentive for young people to know what your local politics, your local government is all about. So I encourage young people to inquire with their administration, their, their government administration, to get to even volunteer mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and before before we let you go i know that so we're coming up on the time pretty soon but um a little bit about local government and go and politics in general in the uh, local government so a little bit about um what going on today so you know of course we're in a, still in a, in a pandemic as uh, many people would like to think we're out of it but it seems like we're not and um 
And so how has the pandemic affected the local governments? Not, of course, you know, with with everything that had happened. And also, how has it affected the local governments from a financial aspect? And third, do you see uh, in the recently passed um, American Recovery Program, do you see some of the funds that supposedly are coming for localities as a way to help with some of the financial constraints that the pandemic has offered at a local uh, at a local level from the friends I have here that are involved in local governments in California and they are basically hell complaining uh, how financial uh, strapped they are because of the pandemic speaking in terms of the pandemic what everybody uh, probably should understand is that government we don't have a day off so government needs to run. So that's one. So what? how did we make that happen? Well, I think we had to re-change our thinking or, or even our processes along the way and be flexible so that the services are still there. With that, the loss here has been revenue. And I can speak even throughout the state of New Jersey. So with the stimulus, we don't have the regulations, but one of the big things is that it will offset some of the revenue losses. So that will be so that will be important. Now, for the future and what that means, um, that's what I try to caution. So when I've planned the last two budgets and we've scaled back and actually came under the budget, and maybe that sounds uncommon because people will probably think, oh, my taxes didn't go under, but it will offset some of some other things in the future. So we, uh, my thought was to be as conservative as I could be but not scale back on services. So that's sort of been my dealing with the pandemic is that government must go on. Indeed. Indeed. And uh, do you see that, um, do you see that some of the help that is coming or will be coming financially will, will help with some of the other, uh, with some services as, uh, uh, because um, even as things recuperate a little bit, we're still, of course, not out of the woods yet. It'll certainly help offset some of the costs. Uh, we did get CARES Act funding. So what that did was allow us to come up to the 21st century and um, buying some technology that would help us facilitate those services. So if, if the stimulus package allows for us to continue to revamp our softwares or systems, that's what that'll be my next step in, in using that stimulus money to do that outside of the uh, talks of uh, offsetting some of the revenue losses. And one last question that I thought of as you were talking about internships um, before we wrap it up to, to go back to that topic. From your looking at you know you, the, the courses you took in college and as, as a student and even maybe on, in the early phases of your career, what could Palcus do as an organization to I don't know, provide some additional, I don't want to say training, but maybe connections, guidance, information, you know, work because we do a lot of webinars. We're starting to do some workshops with the new Next Gen Leadership Academy that we have launched. So looking back on what the resources that you had in school and your early career, was there anything that you kind of wish that you had had or that you could see Palcus fulfilling a role? to provide that to young Portuguese Americans getting into public service and government work? I think developing a skill set to understand municipal budgets, because oftentimes Mm. 
people don't understand that process is, is completely different in the private sector. So it's sort of like I an account and that will help people to understand how public funds are spent because oftentimes we get scrutinized for not being transparent enough. Um, so that, that would be something that I would probably want to put out there is that teaching uh, the next generation how to understand uh, public funding. I like how it's very specific um, and not something that I would have ever thought of. So thank you for that. I will, uh, we'll pass it on to our, our team that's leading the next gen uh, leadership effort. So thank you for that. And uh, for with that, I mean, I, we have reached our time and um, just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. This has been really insightful and um, hopefully our listeners have been inspired and, and learned something also about the role of city managers and a little bit about Inglewood, New Jersey. Indeed. Oh, I was just going to ask, uh, Sonia, do you still keep in, uh, although busy, as you said, city government doesn't stop. It's uh, 24-7, 365 days and some years, 366. Uh, but you have some time to go back to Guimarães. I was going last summer, but of course the pandemic hit, but I will, uh, God willingly be there in December for my grandmother's 90th birthday. So yes, I do. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So I've, and I've brought my children, so they've met and, um, it, you know, I, I absolutely love going there because every, you know, my entire family still lives there. So, um, it's just nice to, it's really grounding and humble beginnings. So I enjoy going back there. Okay. Very much so. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you again. And thanks to our listeners for joining us for another conversation on Politicus. If you haven't hit subscribe, then uh, please do so like right this second and share this podcast, this channel with friends and family so that we can spread the conversation about uh, Portuguese American perspective in public service and politics uh, throughout our national community. Um, and please take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes because that will help more people in our community find us and uh, join the, the conversation and further the dialogue. So with that, um, thank you again, Sonia. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Dinesh. Thank you. And have a wonderful day. Take thank care. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Politicus, the official podcast of PALCUS, the Portuguese American Leadership Council of the United States. PALCUS is the premier national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese American community at large. To learn more about PALCUS and how to become a member or to make a donation, visit www.palcus.org. To submit feedback or suggestions about the podcast, email us at palcus.palcus.org. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the show are not endorsed by Palkus. Politicus is made possible through the support of the Luso-American Development Foundation.